Welcome to the Zenith Law Academy podcast, the podcast that provides content creators and other internet businesses with practical legal information and tips to help you protect and scale up your business. And now here's your host, Credence Fogo Soul. Hi, welcome to the very first episode of Zenith Law Academy podcast. I'm your host, Credence Fogosol. I've been a lawyer and legal educator for 25 years, and now I'm here to help content creators and other people who have internet businesses to make sense of the law as it applies to them. As we take this journey together, we'll talk about how to plan your business, how to make sure that your business is set up appropriately, how to have all your contracts with suppliers and customers and employees and business partners put into place with all of the I's dotted and the T's crossed and so much more. This week's episode focuses on one of my very favorite topics, copyright law. I love copyright law so much, I wrote my PhD thesis on it. More importantly, you need to copyright your website, both to protect your valuable business assets and to make more money. And today, we'll talk about why. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Visit our website at www.zenithlawacademy.com and join our mailing list so you can get freebies and special offers. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and join our Facebook group for more discussion of the topic of this episode. And now, without further ado, let's talk about copyright. Content creators and other people who do business online have asked me many, many times, is it really necessary? Is it really necessary to spend money and go through the hassle of formally registering a copyright for my website with the U.S. Copyright Office? Can I just stick a little C inside a circle on my website and be done with it? My business is new. I'm on a budget. And I say to them, yes, no, and it's worth the $45 to $65 filing fee, respectively. You should copyright your website and any other creative works you put out into the world. If you live in a country that doesn't require formal registration, technically, of course, you don't have to make a formal registration to be protected. However, if you want your work to be protected in the United States, meaning that if you want to be able to enforce your rights and sue for damages if your work is stolen by somebody in the United States, then you do need to register in the United States formally by registering with the U.S. Copyright Office. So if you intend for your work to reach an American audience and you want to be sure that you're protected, you should strongly consider registering a U.S. copyright even if you are not an American yourself. So that's the first reason that you should register for a copyright, legal protection. You can always just put the little C in the in the circle, the copyright symbol on your website and hope for the best. In other words, you can hope, you can cross your fingers that the symbol deters thievery. But what if you post that notice and it doesn't deter a thief? Well, first you would typically send a takedown notice. If your material is improperly rep- reposted someplace like YouTube or Facebook, or if somebody is, for example, improperly distributing your content from their individual website. In that situation, you'd send a cease and desist letter, and the next step would be to take the matter to court. However, if jurisdiction is in the U.S. courts and your copy isn't formally registered, one of two things will happen. If you're American, you won't be able to file your lawsuit at all. Registration, formal registration, is a prerequisite for being able to file a lawsuit for copyright infringement. If you're not American, the situation is a little bit different. If that's the case, you're not an American, but you get infringed in America or from an American website or an American infringer. Um, In that case, you will be allowed to file your copyright lawsuit, even if you haven't actually registered with the U.S. Copyright Office. However, in that situation, 
your damages, in other words, the money that you can win, your damages will be limited and that you'll only be able to sue for the actual amount of money that you can prove that you lost. On the other hand, if you're in this situation and you have registered your copyright, you can sue for statutory damages, which are between 750 and 300, uh, sorry, and 30,000 for each work that was infringed. And in addition, you'll be able to make a claim to have your attorney fees paid by the defendant. This is a really important point that non-Americans sometimes don't really get. Many, many countries, most countries, have what's known as a loser pays system, meaning that if you sue somebody for anything from a broken contract to a broken leg, the person who loses the lawsuit is ordered to pay, pay the winner's legal fees. It does not work that way in the United States. In the U.S., the general rule is that unless you have a contract saying that the loser pays, or there is a statute providing that the loser pays, you don't get to recover your attorney's fees from the other side, even if you win the lawsuit. The Copyright Act, a statute, does provide for attorney fees in a copyright infringement lawsuit, but only if your copyright is registered. So if you aren't American, don't assume that you can go to court on an infringement claim related to your unregistered copyright, claim for your actual damages, and then have your attorney's, pay, your attorney's fees paid if you win. It doesn't work that way. If you want to recover your attorney fees, and they can be pretty expensive in, in an intellectual property case. So if you want any hope of getting those fees covered, your work has to be formally registered. So that's the courtroom advantage, the, the, the dry legal advantage of having your copyright registered. In addition, if your copyright is formally registered and somebody steals your work, the fact that you have registered the copyright gives you a lot of leverage against the thief to get them to stop what they're doing because they're gonna be liable for a lot more in court if you've registered than if you haven't. So that's a really good negotiating technique as well. May help you avoid court in the first place. So to sum up, if you're an American, you have to register your copyright if you want the option of enforcing your rights in court. And if you're not American, if your work is stolen by somebody who is subject to the jurisdiction of an American court, it is much, much better to have a formally registered copyright because it gives you leverage and it gives you the possibility of both an attorney fee award and an attorney fee award and a higher damages award. So that's the first reason to register, legal protection. And the second reason, deterrence, because your formal registration notifies potential thieves that they're going to have some substantial legal exposure, which means they could lose a lot of money if they steal your work. The third reason to copyright your website appeals to a simple sense of fairness, because it encourages people who might want to use your work to give you some credit, to give you credit where credit is due. In other words, it encourages them to attribute your work to you. This can be a valuable advantage if, for example, somebody wants to engage in the fair use of your work in a discussion or a review or news coverage or you know, academic use if they want to you know, record uh, a class, for example, and use your work or even a parody. Don't get me wrong. Attribution is not required for fair use under American copyright law. But attribution is considered a best practice. And a writer or a publisher who's concerned enough to make sure that their use is fair and who knows that you have acted to protect your rights by registering your copyright, that type of writer or publisher is likely to err on the side of caution. And if a fair user attributes you, that puts your business's name in front of their audience. That raises your profile. It could even help attract new clients. So uh, registering your copyright puts not only bad actors on notice, but uh, 
people who might want to use your work who are actually the good guys. Okay, so that's the third reason that you might want to copyright your website. The fourth reason to copyright your website is brand integrity. If you're a content creator, your work is a valuable asset. And indeed, for all intents and purposes, it could really be your business's only significant asset, at least at the beginning. By copywriting the content of your website, you're reinforcing the integrity of your brand. And when you do that, you send the message out into the world, out into the commercial community, that your creative business is unique and high value. You also send the message that you're committed to professionalism and you're committed to doing things the right way. And that's an important message that can help you stand out when you're soliciting and negotiating brand partnerships and other types of business deals. This leads us to the fifth reason to copyright your website, money. I saved the best for last, right? So how can copywriting your website, which costs you money, make you money? Because here's why. Because having a registered copyright can make it easier to license or even to transfer, in other words, sell your copyrighted work. Let's say your internet business showcases your art and you want to do something like approach a clothing company to propose that they put that art on a t-shirt or a bag. If you've copyrighted your website and your art that is shown on it, it is going to be a lot easier to make that deal. Why? Because your formally registered copyright is powerful evidence to your prospective business partner that you and only you have the right to that work. And that is a powerful assurance to that prospective business partner that if they do the deal with you, they don't have to worry about some other person coming along and suing them for copyright infringement based on some claim that the art or the design or the content belongs to that person and that you didn't have the right to license it. So having a formal copyright gives your business partners some security. And that can not only facilitate your deal, it can actually increase the commercial value of your work because there's less risk built into the price on the buyer's side. So these are the reasons that you should copyright your website. Legal protection, deterrence, getting the public credit you deserve, preserving and increasing your brand integrity, and making more money. And at this point, you've probably gotten the point that the best way to do this is to register your copyright in the U.S. That said, I hear from people all the time who want to hear, they want me to tell them that some other approach will be cheaper, it'll be faster, it'll give them just as much protection. These ideas, this is not going to be a huge shock, I'm sure, but these ideas usually are not very good ones. I'm going to tell you about the two alternative strategies that people ask me about the most often. Poor man's copyright and online cheap copyright membership services. We'll start with poor man's copyright. A poor man's copyright is something that you can supposedly get by taking a copy of your work and mailing it to yourself. Or in the internet age, I would suppose you would email uh, your website or the URL to yourself. And the idea seems to be that the act of the mailing quote, publishes your work and establishes your copyright. Leaving aside for the moment the fact that the standard fee for registering a copyright is well under $100, the primary problem with poor man's copyright is that under American copyright law, that isn't a formally registered copyright. Furthermore, the American courts will not consider the postmark on a mailed work, or um, I suppose the, the headers on your email, um, as evidence that you own the copyright. In other words, poor man's copyright is no copyright at all, at least not one that's enforceable. The second bag of strategy, and this is one that I'm being asked about more and more lately, uh, involves purchasing a membership to a cheap online service that promises to register a copyright 
in hundreds of countries at once, along with all of the renewals and the changes you might want to make for a really low fee. I am not going to name any of those services today on the podcast for obvious reasons, but they are readily findable online. Now, the problem with these services, based on the examples that I have seen of what people are getting for their money, is that what the services are providing is essentially poor man's copyright that's sort of dressed up for the internet era. Generally, you will see in their FAQ section, sometimes deep in that section, um, generally you'll see in, in, in the FAQ of these types of services is that what these companies are providing is actually a demonstration that you, quote, possessed the work at the time you submitted it, to, at the time that you submitted it to their company. However, simply having possession of a copy of your work does not show that you're the owner of a copyright. That's why poor man's copyright doesn't work. And this type of product, this type of cheap registration service doesn't provide any of the protections of a registered copyright. So these are the two really unequivocally bad copyright strategies. They're not going to protect you at all. We're getting close to the end of today's podcast. But before we end, I want to share my unpopular opinion, unpopular opinion alert, about a third copyright strategy that is extremely popular on the internet, and that is Creative Commons. Lots of people like Creative Commons. Lots of people use Creative Commons. I don't. And here's why. When you use Creative Commons, you can unintentionally give up control over your work. And if your creative work is your business asset, then giving up control is never a good idea. Let's back up for a moment for people who aren't familiar with Creative Commons. Creative Commons is a website, which you can find at creativecommons.org, that provides a simple, standardized way that you can license your works so that other people can use them. Creative Commons, sorry, Creative Commons provides six types of licenses and, and they're all standardized and you can find detailed descriptions of each one of those kinds of licenses at creativecommons.org slash about slash CC licenses. Basically, as a creator, what you do is that you go to the Creative Commons website and you choose one of their standard licenses based on the extent of the use that you want other people to have of your work. For example, you might want to use a Creative Commons license, which you display on your website, that provides that anybody can use your work as long as their use is non-commercial. That's, that's one option. Or you could use another one of their standardized licenses saying that anybody can use the work as long as they credit you, and so on. Creative Commons is really easy to use. You don't have to register with them, and the site's licensing tools are free. Furthermore, according to Creative Commons, uh, and, and I believe them, <laughs> its licenses were drafted to be enforceable and the courts have found them to be enforceable. So this sounds good, right? I mean, it sounds better than poor man's copyright. I like the standardization. I like the fact that its licenses are well-drafted because they are. But overall, I am still not a fan. Why? Because once you post that Creative Commons license on your work, whether it's a blog post or a website or a photograph or anything else, and you launch that work with the, the license affixed to it out into the world, you essentially give up the ability to prevent your work from being used in ways that you might not agree with. Because Creative Commons licenses, like I said, they're standardized. They're not individually negotiated. If you have a Creative Commons uh, little display on your website, providing, for example, that your work could be used as long as it's attributed, then I can use your work as long as I attribute it to you. But what if I wanted to use, say, uh, one of your photographs on my website. And my website actually promotes ideas that you hate. With an individual license, for example, if I contact you 
and I want to use your photograph of an adorable puppy on my Kick a Puppy Today website, you can just say, no, that's disgusting. I don't want to do business with you. I don't want to be associated with your, your puppy kicking weirdness. You have the absolute right to do that. However, if your photograph of the puppy uh, on the website just has a Creative Commons license that says, please attribute, then you could end up with your cute photo on the Kick a Puppy website. And the attribution, which of course now makes it look like you endorse puppy kicking, not good, right? Uh, definitely not good for your brand. Um, you know, that attribution is there and you've given up control. Uh, and if something like this happens, you say, wait a minute, that's not what I had in mind at all. There's nothing you can do. Even according to Creative Commons, its licenses are irrevocable, um, even if you change your mind later. On the other hand, with a formally registered copyright, you negotiate your licenses individually. You don't have to license to the Kick a Puppy website, and you can write into your license because it's a contract, everybody, and under American law, it's freedom of contract. You can agree to do pretty much what you want within the boundaries of the law. Uh, you can write into your license that you have the right to revoke that license later on. So, for example, if I come to you and I want to license your photograph of a puppy on my website, and I said, well, you know, I want to use your photo for my I Love Puppies website. And you say, okay, and and I put it on, on my I Love Puppies website, but then later on, I change the name to a Kick a Puppy website, and you find out and you're upset. At that point, you, you can actually write into the license that, you know, you have the right to revoke that license in the future. And if I, you know, sort of pull a fast one on you and I use your puppy picture to promote puppy kicking, you probably want to revoke that license. You can do that with an individual license, not with a Creative Commons license. Okay, so that's about it for today, our very first episode. Remember, there are lots of good reasons to copyright your website, and there are lots of good reasons to avoid cheap workarounds or licensing strategies that take away your control. If you're a content creator or you do any kind of business on the internet, copyright, real copyright, is your friend. To do it yourself, visit the U.S. Copyright Office's registration portal. You can uh, get that at https uh, www.copyright.gov registration, and you just follow the instructions. They're very easy. Or if you have a lawyer, then contact them for assistance. If you like what you've heard today, don't forget to like, subscribe, follow us on Instagram at at Zenith Law Academy and join our Facebook group, which is also called Zenith Law Academy. Also, please don't forget that this podcast provides legal education and knowledge and obviously some opinions, not legal advice, not legal representation. To keep up to date on copyright and other legal issues that keep you up to date as a content creator or other internet business person, Tune in to our next episode, Legal Business Planning, which will drop in about two weeks. Until then, stay informed, stay empowered, and stay savvy. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Zenith Law Academy podcast. Please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to receive notifications every time a new podcast is posted. Please note that the information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not create an attorney-client relationship. For more information, blog posts, or to contact the show, please visit www.zenithlawacademy.com.